Hi, and welcome to Fourth Dimension, where Holy Spirit does it all. Here is Johnny. Better place or better time in your life than right now, this weekend, twenty twenty-three. Happy Easter. Here at Four D, is risen. You've not come to a better place in your life or time than right now to say, God, I need you. If you're here tonight, I hope you open your open your heart up to me. Hear what the Word of the Lord says in just a moment. I promise I won't hold you long. But if you'll open your heart tonight and say, God, I need you. Sing that song one more time. Sing it. Thank you, Jesus.
tonight, but I do want to talk to you for a few minutes. I appreciate for the Paul to save the invitation. Can you give them a hand for putting this on? great honor to be invited here before me and uh, I, I, I love what's happening in, in God's kingdom. Sometimes it don't happen in the four walls like we think it does and it happens in places like this in the side corner of Hopkinsville, Kentucky in the middle of nowhere and that's what God does. That's the way God operates. He told you my name. My name is Johnny Tipton. I'm pastor of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I've been associated with uh, the River Revival, Pastor Clint, Pastor Howard over that river, and uh, met Sister Shay and Brother Paul them through that. And we certainly appreciate the kingdom mentality, Brother Brad, and out of Egypt singing tonight, and different ones. We appreciate them being here tonight. I come to. I, I just want to minister to you from my heart. Can I? Can I just do that tonight? I told Brother Paul, maybe Sister Shay, I said, I said, uh, I probably won't take about 30 minutes tonight, something like that, because my home church may be a little different. My home church be a little different. I feel like I, I just want to minister from my heart tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I could take all night. Because when I think about the goodness of God and I look back over my life and I think about the times that he kept me, I stand up here before you tonight and and, and I, I, I know I've got my nice brown shoes on and my blue pants and, and this button down shirt and you know I try to look presentable as much as possible. But sometimes we don't know the story behind what we're wearing. If I cry a little bit tonight, you look over me. Come on, God. Yeah. Because when I think about the goodness of God, and the times that I got myself in trouble, I didn't need the devil to cause me any problems. As many times as a child, my mama would joke with me. Shay, and she would say, they called me Johnny Ray when I was little, like, you know, now that I'm bigger, I mean, adult, you know, they, they called me Johnny, but when I was a child, my mom would say, Johnny Ray, come out of that devil. <laughs> Y'all catch that, baby. Because I was, I was that, I was that mean, I was mean. I was mean. And sometimes we don't, we, we forget that the people that are sitting beside of us in this place, we don't understand what it took for them to get out of bed this morning. My brother-in-law back at home drives a school bus. He owns a, a, a school bus and drives to the county schools. And he tell, tells stories sometimes of kids get on the bus and how that they don't have things or they're, you know, they're they got situations going on or whatever. He'll talk about some of the things that they talk about. And he, he made this statement one time. He said. He said, I have a lot of patience with them because I don't know what they're dealing with behind the door when they come out of the house that morning. Yeah. We think because somebody puts on a shirt and a tie and look, Pastor Clint looks good up here, you know, he's 
Now he got his hair done, nice and neat, and his beard's trimmed. You know, he can smile and profile like Clint does. But we don't understand sometimes the struggle that he's been through. I remember a time, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Is that okay? John chapter 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture. It's a great account in the Word of God for, for life in general. Is it 7 o'clock? Am I on the right time? Or are y'all on Easter time up here? Yeah, so y'all still on kingdom time. Okay, good to know. Y'all still on God's time. That's all good. Yeah. John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you don't mind tonight. I've asked the Mark to stay with me just for a minute. The Mark, if you don't mind, I appreciate it. Verse number 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but the disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria. Somebody say a woman. A woman. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone to the seat of my food. And the woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus knew the culture here. He knew he should have been talking to her. But Jesus didn't care about cultures. He broke barriers that went beyond cultures. He broke barriers that went beyond what color skin people had. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was, or who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you, what's that word? Living. Can you raise your hand and thank God for living water tonight? Thank you, Jesus. For living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to even draw with. And the well is deep. What she didn't know was there was a well that was sitting on the well. <laughs> you don't have anything to draw with. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Turn around and tell your neighbor, whoever. 
Whoever drinks of this water. <laughs> Some of y'all are already catching where I'm going to tonight, right? Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never. Amen. Never. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Never. Never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up in the everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. When she heard something arose in her, there was a hunger inside of her that rose up. And said, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst or come here to draw. Jesus said unto her, he said, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you well, you well said, I have no husband. If you've had five husbands. Yeah. Yeah. And the one whom you're with now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Jesus, woman, woman said to him, sir, perceive that you're a prophet. Drop verse 21 right there. He said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. For we know what we worship for salvations of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers shall or will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to read the rest of the story, but we know reading this scripture, this parable, I like to call it an account of the gospel. To me, a parable, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I, I hate playing on words sometimes, they cheapen sometimes the word. It's an account of the Word of God. God made, it, God made it a, a, a specific appointment to put this account of his of the history in the Word of God. And I'm thankful he did because had it not been for an account of a woman who was broken, who was tattered, who was torn, who was even involved with situations at the moment, I'd have less hope. But to know that somewhere in the Word of God, you know, the, the thing I love about this account is that if you read the King James Version, the King James Version says, Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. Now you got to understand, for Jesus to make this journey, Roughly about 60 to 64 miles walking. And sometimes we think we go out of our way to witness to somebody at Walmart. We think it's trouble on us to walk across the street and witness to our neighbor. We think it's a problem for us to witness to the waitress who 
brings us a glass of water or coffee or whatever it is at the table. And, 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 and here Jesus is saying, he said, God, we've got to put away our agenda because there's something in Samaria that's drawing me. Even from more than a couple of days' journey, Jesus felt a draw in his spirit somewhere, Pastor Clint, that he, that he knew he had to go through Samaria. Because he knew that there was coming a time, and, and, the, and it was important, you have to understand, it was important for Paul that he sent the disciples away. Because the disciples were religious. I know we don't talk about that stuff. We don't want to hear that. But the truth is, if they had saw Jesus talking to this woman, they had blasted his name to everybody under the sun. But Jesus said, you know what? I don't care. Because this woman needs what I have. Amen. And I was thinking about this story tonight, even, even coming up here, this account and I was thinking about earlier today and this week and kind of reading on it here and there throughout the week. Saying, God, what can I say at 40 that will encourage somebody? What can I say that will change? I'm not talking about give you goosebumps. I'm not talking about make you leave here just to encourage. I mean something that will change your life. And the only thing I heard was give them the living water. Mm. Because there's something about water. I, I, Shane had, had messaged me before church and said, hey, you want Starbucks or something? I said, no, I'm not, I'm not a big coffee drinker, right? I know that. I just went down like three steps on the house. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not a coffee drinker. I like water. And I drink quite a bit of water. So, But there's something about water that quenches your thirst. There's sometimes you get tired of sodas, you get tired of, uh, of, of, of teas and whatever else it is you drink, and you just gotta have a drink of water. Everybody, anybody just had to have that drink of water yeah, one time, yeah. you remember? Yeah. One time, y'all? There was a time in my life, I'm, I'm familiar around Murfreesboro with, with a lot of people in a lot of places, a lot of things that we have we have a lot of programs, a lot of things around our area called Celebrate Recovery. Anybody familiar with that program? And in that program and in those uh, meetings and things, you meet people that have all kind of things in their life going on. and You have things that they're struggling with and things that they're addicted to that they have a hard time getting over and getting through. And I love, I, listen, I, I'm not, I don't knock any program, but I will tell you something. If you'll make up your mind tonight that you want the living water, I promise you, you don't need to trust that program. I promise you. You don't have to worry about getting a coin. You don't have to worry about getting a certificate of completion that you finished with a year of sobriety. If you'll make up your mind tonight, God, I need you. I need you more than anything in my life. I need you. And if you'll make up your mind tonight with a pure heart, say, God, I will repent of all my sins. And the first step that I'm taking is a step towards you. The first step that I'm taking is a step toward freedom. The first step that I'm taking, I'm not the woman of the world. See, I, I know it's like I've been there. 
You look at me in this in this shirt, these pants, and these fine shoes. I just got these a couple weeks ago. You can't have them. Are you kidding But when you, you, we look at each other and we forget about what the, the person next to us is dealing with. They come up here and sing. Will somebody answer that phone, please. Tell them to call back tomorrow. Sorry, I'm changing. Kid. You know, there's always that one kid. It's all good. It's all good. One lady, one lady's phone rang one time in the service and I answered the door. I said, Let me have it. Yeah. Amen. But we look at people off and we think we look at the praise and we come in and they're singing such a great song, they're doing this music and stuff. We don't understand what they did with it. Hello? We go to church tomorrow, Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. Everybody's going to put on their nice y'all dresses, right? You're pink. Oh, you're not? Okay. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. Put on your nice pink or your purple book, Clint. Yeah. Look all nice and sassy for Easter. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just remember this. The person that's shaking your hand may be fighting things that's a lot stronger than you can fight or you can do it. I remember a time in my life I just give my testimony for a few minutes. 1980 I'm going way back, I know, right? Some of y'all wouldn't even go for this. Donald Lucas don't want to hear anymore. Don't even tell me, bro. Don't even tell me. Name of Jesus. I test out of Army in 1984. In 1985, I found myself in a, in a dark place. Dark place. I found myself coming out of a marriage that I should never been into. Can I be transparent tonight? Please do. But it don't matter. I'm going to be away anyway. Write a book about whatever you want to. You can't say nothing ain't nobody else already said. And I got hooked up with some guys. And, you know, at first it was fun. At first it was fun. And I hooked, got hooked up with some guys. And, and honestly, one of the gentlemen I got hooked up with was, my, was one of my uncles in North Georgia. And he, even today, is still one of the biggest drug dealers in North Georgia. Even though he's been to the pen several times and several of my cousins have been to the pen and some of them still in there. For drugs and things, dealing. And I got hooked up with him. Used to be, and I was crazy. I, I just, I just, I was crazy. I, you know, I just, I was a young guy. I came out of the military. I thought I was invincible. I thought I could beat anything and anybody. But in 1985, I found myself in a, a bad place. Like the prodigal son, I had attached myself to the citizen of another country meaning the citizen of hell. Mm. Not just my uncle. And I'm not calling him the devil. I'm just saying. You're either attached to the kingdom of God or you're not. And I found myself attached to another kingdom that took my life down a long path for about two and a half years that I really didn't want to go down. I remember... 
When I first got hooked up with him, it was about running dope. And we used to steal motorcycles and cross rockets and, and those speed bikes, I know those things. Had a warehouse full of them. We, we, we call out to California, they sent us a frame. We would strip the bike down. I'm telling you, I was in some deep stuff. Long story short, I caught myself one night walking into a party. And I had smoked, I, I could smoke marijuana all day long. Shay, I could smoke it all day long. It didn't affect me. People say, well, you just didn't have the good stuff. No, let me tell you something. I knew what the good stuff was. But for some reason, it just didn't affect me. I had to pretend like I was high with the guys to be around me because they thought something was wrong with me if I wasn't high. And, and, and I, thought I, had, I thought I had power over that thing, right? Until one night I walked into a party and somebody had me a crack pipe. Mm. Mm-hmm. You look at me today, you don't think that I know. I know how it goes. So I had me a crack pipe. The minute I hit that crack pipe, that one, that one hit, man, that first hit, I was hooked. I was hooked. That first hit, Shay, took me down a path that I wish to God I'd never been down. I'm 51 years old today, thank the Lord. But I found myself in the middle of drug deals. I've got scars on my body where I've been cut because I was stupid enough. I didn't want to walk away from my fight. You didn't fight me. I wanted to fight. I would fight you. I was that guy. I don't care. Bring a gun, bring a knife. I'm going to take out your hand. You better kill me because if you don't, I will beat you dead with it. That's who I was. I was crazy. But for two and a half years with the Brad, my life took a downward spiral. I caught myself stealing from my own family. Mm. I'm going to be transparent tonight, okay? Because you're going to understand in just a minute why I praise the Lord the way I praise the Lord. Why I live for God the way I live for God. And I remember there was one, one particular time that I stole from my mom, my mom and dad. I went to their house. And, and I've always had a key to my mom and dad's house. And I stole from them. And they found out it happened. Right? I tell them behind bars sometimes the only difference between me and them was they got caught. The only difference between you and the person in the graveyard Is the grace of God. Come on. Yes. Yes. And the worst feeling I ever had in the world was my father walking to me. He said, Son, I need you to give me my house key back. My heart broke. I've known charity for a long time. My heart broke. My heart was shattered. Because I knew I had let down my parents who had raised me and done good to me and they could have put me in jail very easily and I could have spent a lot of time 
to the things I didn't do. Right? Yeah. But thank God for a father that had mercy. Amen. I'm not just talking about a heavenly father. Now I'm talking about an earthly father too. Yeah. yeah. And that took me down that path into drugs and everything. And I separated myself from my family. And somewhere about 2 30 in the morning, we were coming back over from North Carolina and North Georgia. If you know anything about the North Georgia, North Georgia mountains, we were coming across LJ Mountain. It's real curvy and things. It's about seven or eight of us on our bikes, and we, were, we just got there running a bunch of dope to North Carolina. And I come back across this mountain, and I look down at my speedometer. And my, my speedometer, and I can still see it today, my speedometer on my motorcycle read 132 miles an hour. Now, me and these seven or eight guys, we're hiking down this mountain, having a good time, right? Because about 25 or 30 minutes earlier, we just had a good crack rock. And I was out of my mind. I looked down at that speedometer, and, and to be honest with you, the Lord seared that image to my mind. Because at that moment, the Spirit of God spoke to me. I've been raised in church my whole life. I grew up, my dad traveled all across this country. We, we put up tent revivals and, and brush harbor meetings and we street preaching and things. That's what I grew up with. So I knew about God my entire life. But at that moment, and I looked at that phenomenon, it read 132 miles an hour, Brother Brad. The Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, Johnny, there's a rock wall straight up that mountain that was because that, that road was cut out of, out of that mountain. There's a rock wall 10 feet off the road there. He said, John, if you miss this curve at that rock wall, you're going to die and go to hell. Mm. And I looked to the other side and there's a cliff all around that mountain. There's a solid cliff all the way around it. It's, like I said, it's cut out of the mountain. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, if you go off that cliff, you're going to die and go to hell tonight. And I tell everybody, this is my testimony. I tell them that moment, literally, I had the hell stare out of me. Mm -hmm. I remember praying the prayer with the bread. And I remember saying, Lord, see, here I am. Oh, God, I need you, right? Here I'm that moment. Oh, God, I need you. And I remember praying the prayer, God, if you'll help me get off this stuff, I'll never touch it again. I'll change my life. I'll give my life back to you. I slowed way down on the motorcycle. I creeped back home. At this time, I hadn't seen my mom and dad in probably about a year. Barely even talked to them. And I went back to the house that morning and the guys were way ahead of me and they were making fun of me because, you know, I, they beat me to the house and it was all racing to get there. But then I, I, I didn't want them to know that the Lord was convicting me. So I hid it. Instead of saying, yeah, the Lord was dealing with me, I said, yeah, I just wanted to slow down and enjoy the city. At 2.30 in the morning, come on, right? And I, I told myself, yeah, I just, 
I just wanted to take my time and they drove me drove right home. And I went back to the bedroom where I, where I was living with those guys. All of us lived in one house together. I literally had a Walmart bag. I had a pair of pants. A couple of changes of underclothes. And I had a cell phone that was stolen that I was using. Used to clone the phones back in the day. That's what we did. Why? Because that's, that's what sin does. Sin takes you down that path. The old saying goes, it'll take you, it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. Every time it will. And so I remember going to bed that night, Pastor Pant, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry, I promise. I remember going to bed and I laid in the back room and I couldn't go to sleep for nothing because the Spirit of God kept dealing with me. All I could see since the shade was that speedometer in my face and God said to me, you're going to go to hell. And I know we don't preach that anymore. We don't preach church for church to change. We preach you can come like you are and continue like you are. Right. I love that mentality, but that's not the truth. Yes, you can come to God as you are, but God expects you to lay your life down for you. That's right. He expects you to give your addiction to Him. He expects you to give every hand that you've got in your life to him. And, and the thing about it, when I read this story and I think about the living water and I think about the things that this woman was dealing with with the pen, no doubt my mind she was probably the shame of the town. Mm. Probably felt like me at the moment I did. When I when I when I had that morning that I laid in that bed and I couldn't go to sleep, I couldn't do nothing. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord drawing me. I hadn't talked to my mom and dad in a while, Charity. And I couldn't even call them from the phone that I have, my cell phone, that I knew was stolen. Mm. And so I had to get up out of my bed <coughs> at 5.30 in the morning, Georgia time. It was 4.30 in the morning, God's time in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I drove down to the closest payphone. Thank God for payphones. Yeah. I miss those things. Sometimes I wish I could throw myself on the way and go back to it. Mm. But I drove down to the payphone and I picked up the phone and I called my mom and dad. Collect. <laughs> my dad answered the phone. I said, Dad, I'm going to get my life right. I know it was like I've been raised in church. Mm. He said, come home, son. Wow. Amen. Hallelujah. Those are the best words. Yes. I've ever heard in my entire life. Amen. So my dad said to me, come on. Yes. Listen, you've got a God today in heaven. If you're sitting here 
and you're struggling with life and you don't know which way to turn. You don't, you, maybe your life's in chaos. Maybe it's not. Maybe everything is perfect for you. Maybe you don't know what it's really like to be broken sometimes. Maybe you got all the money you need in the world, right? You got all the happiness. Everything is good for you. I'm going to tell you something. You need God just like I do. The one thing I love about Calvary, at Calvary, the ground was level. Come on, yes. That's good, yes. At Calvary, there is no one person above the other. Come on. We all have to come on our knees. Yes. And we all have to come with a heart of repentance. Yes. To God, say, God, I'm sorry. And to know that I've got a Father in heaven. The Bible said He cares so much for me, He even knows the number of hair that's on Amen. my head. yes. And for me to call out to him at 4 30, 5 o'clock in the morning or 2 30 in the afternoon, for, for my father having to say, It's okay, son, I've got you. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. And I went home that morning. Drove all the way home. It took me about two and a half years to get my feet under me. Because my mom and daddy didn't have an easy love. They didn't just give me the keys to their house back. They didn't just give me the key to their car. I had a motorcycle. That's all I had. That's it. I drove that crazy motorcycle in the snow. I'm not kidding. I remember I made it, one of the first jobs I had. I worked at Crystals. I don't know what Crystals is. Man, I'm alive. I don't want to eat. <laughs> but I worked at Crystal's the second shift and I worked at the newspaper and I was stuffing papers with the sales ads as they come off the press and then we roll them up and throw them in the, in the buggy for the carriers to come at 3 o'clock in the morning to pick up papers to go deliver by 5 o'clock Pastor Quick one night it snowed and the roads were icy and I'm on my way home, and I man, I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm not cussing nobody or anything like that. But I'm thinking to myself, if I ever get rid of this motorcycle and get me a four wheel car, I'm never having a motorcycle ever again, right? Drove that thing home, and the freezer stopped. I kid you not, there was ice on the road. I rode home like this, with my feet dragging ground. But my daddy wasn't about to, to yield anything to me because I put myself in that position. And I'm thankful for that because it taught me a valuable lesson. Tough love sometimes is hard to give. It's hard to give. What you say? But it's still love. It's still love. Sometimes we're like the woman here at the well and our lives have been in chaos. And we come to a moment in time where all of a sudden we find Jesus. He's drawing on us. Because there's a draw inside of us that says, God, I've got to have something deeper and better than where I'm at. There's something in my life that's got to be better than where I'm at right now. There's got to be something, with Pastor, there's got to be something that's better than, 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 than the addiction that I'm dealing with right now. Or the, or the, and I've seen it all. Thankfully, 
The Lord took that out of my life many years ago. I've got a great testimony. Many times the Lord has kept me when I should have been dead. I had guns pulled on me, put, put to my head. Mm -hmm. And I knew the people that were holding that gun killed people. Mm -hmm. I knew they did. Wow. And I knew one wrong move and I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. But it was the hand of God that kept me covered. Amen. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you've been through things and you've been through life struggles and you're thinking, you're thinking Lord, I don't even know how I made it out of some of the things that I made it out of. Let me tell you how. It's because God kept his hand on you. It's because God is like this. He, he's, he wants to use you like he wants to use this little woman that's coming to this well. And here she comes and she's been married five times and she's living with a person. And he says, yeah, I know. Your story's true. You told me it's true. But if you'll drink from the well that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you living water that you'll never thirst again. And some of you sitting in this building tonight, you're sitting here in the sound of my voice, and I feel the I feel the drop of the Holy Ghost. I do. You feel the drop of the Holy Ghost in your life. You're saying, God, I don't know how you're going to fix my mess. Two and a half years, two and a half years, I had to fight through mine. When I got to my mom and dad's house that morning, I'd already done crack, cocaine, I was doing meth, you name it. I'd done everything to shoot up, I wouldn't shoot up. But I'd done everything else. I'd smoke it, snort it, chew it, right? Because once the enemy gets a hold of you, the Bible says, see, he was created for that purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's all he does. That's right. So if you want something to measure by, and you think something put in your life is good, if it looks like it's bad, guess what? It's not good. James said it best. He said, it's, 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 it's God that all good gifts come from God. The Father of lights, in whom there is no barrier. When, when you measure what comes into your life, whether it's being good or bad, if you can measure being good or bad, then you know it's from God or it's not. But oftentimes, we're so busy trying to take the bad things and we're trying to say, you know what, I can turn those things, I can turn those things to work for me. Mm. You know, that's what Saul did. God told him, said, it's all kill the Amalekites. <clears throat> he got down to the last few. And he determined he could use them because they were good with making metal things, arrows and swords and whatever else, and wheels. And so instead of killing them all off, instead of killing the Amalekites off, he kept just a few of them around. But here's the, here's the thing about this. If you go on down the road a few years and you start reading about David, 
There was a man in David's camp. Matter of fact, the Bible oftentimes refers to him when we look at David. But it talks about how that David took Bathsheba, who was Uriah the Hittite's wife. If you look back in the scripture, you'll find out almost every time, if not every time, I can't confirm that, but you go back and look and see. Almost every time when the Bible refers to Uriah, it calls him Uriah the Hittite. And the truth of the matter is, had they had, had, had been killed off long before the time had come, I, I'll be honest with you, my opinion, this is my opinion, I believe David was a faithful man. And I believe, had Bathsheba been married to a light soul like David, David would never touch her. But because she was married to Uriah the Hittite, David justified in his mind, well, she don't belong to him anyway. Mm. That's what we do. Mm. That's what we We justify everything about, well, she don't he, well, I, I can fix this. I can take that mad. I can make it good. Mm. That's what we, and we justify those things. Yeah. When the reality is, had they been killed off a long time ago, they'd never been knocked below the king's house to begin with. When David walks out of the balcony, and he steps down, he sees Uriah, the Hittite's wife, and decides to take her. I come to let you know this afternoon that tonight, this is Easter weekend 2023. And there's living water in this place. There's water that will quench your thirsty soul. There's water that will heal your wounds that you don't tell anybody about. There's water that will seep down in those places, the deep, dark places where you feel so broken and shattered. You feel like you're alone and nobody understands how you, how you deal with things and how you process things. But if you let that living water seep down into your life tonight, I promise you, God won't just deliver you. But he'll put something inside of your spirit and inside of your soul, just like this one right here. And this, the thing I love about this account in the scripture is after he touches her, she runs back to the city. And she don't tell them all of her pains. Hello, somebody. If we're not careful, we're so busy regurgitating our history on people mm. all the time. We never heal from it. Wow. Mm. It's like that sore you have in your hand. You keep picking at it, right? It just keeps growing and growing and growing. Why? Because we've not learned to shut up about our problems and let God handle it. And so we keep regurgitating them on top of people. And I'm not saying not talk about it. Find somebody to talk about it with if you need to. But sometimes you got to learn to shut it up and leave that thing alone and let God do the healing. Amen. Because when God does the healing, guess what? There's coming today, honey, let me tell you. 
There's coming a day you can lift your voice to the city and you can say, you know what? I've had problems in my life and I've had, I've had relationships and I've had things go on in my life and I've had issues and so forth. But let me tell you something. It's not about me and my problems. But what it's about, it's about a man named Jesus. Come on, somebody. When you let the living water inside of your life today, God will raise you up and cause you to cry out his name in those places in your life that seem like they're dead and gone and your dreams that you've given up on yourself will come back to life. Why? Because that living water has life to it. Can you praise the Lord? Ahead, God.
If you're sitting here tonight, you say, Brother Turner, I just have, I have, I have these small hiccups, right? We call them hiccups. We don't call them sin anymore, the hiccups. We just rename it, right? We don't have sin anymore, it's hiccups. No, it's sin. You know, the Bible says this. It, 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 if you look up the word sin, you know what sin is? You know what it literally means? It literally means to miss the mark. That's why the scripture is real broad and it paints a big old brush. Paints a brush for every TV preacher, for every street preacher, for me, for whoever. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory. One thing I like about that with the clan is my heart and my life align up with the King of Glory. And then in those moments that I come up short, He says, You know what? I got you, son. I got you. I'm not going to forget who you are in my kingdom. I'm not going to forget who you are in my house. Oh, you may be shortchanged here and there. You may think you have a shortcoming here and there, but God says, You know what? No, my arm reaches way further down than you can reach up. It don't matter what you're in tonight. It don't matter what pit that you're dealing with. It don't matter what addiction that you're dealing with tonight. If you're making your mind, God, I come to this place tonight because I need freedom. I need the joy of the Lord. I need the joy of salvation back in my life. I need the fulfilling of the Spirit of God in my life tonight. If you'll make up your mind tonight, God, I, I come to you with open arms and I want you to reach into me and pour into me some of that living water that, like the woman got with the well, Father. If you'll use me, God, if you'll help me, God, and come through this. But come on, I wish somebody put your hands together and say, Lord, I want you to help me tonight. I need you, Lord. I need you. Come on, some of you think of me. Some of you think of God. Anybody, does anybody need it? Do you really need it tonight? If God is dealing with you, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, God bless you. Have a great evening and happy Easter.